Hello, I'm Jill Baker. I'd like to welcome you to Hempson's second series of Inquest podcasts. The first series took listeners through the journey of an inquest, and having responded to feedback of what you would like us to include in the second series, we're looking at specific types of inquests, giving helpful background and advice. So today, Liz Stokes will be joined by Liz Hackett, both of whom work in Hempson's healthcare advisory team and cover inquests across the north of England and have experience in various coroner's courts. So moving on to our fourth podcast in this second series, the two Liz's will discuss inquests arising from deaths in prison. So Liz, that's Liz Stokes, um, as a seasoned presenter of these podcasts, can you begin by explaining why we've included prison inquests as a topic in this series, please? Yes, um, we've previously looked at inquests and the broad principles of inquests in terms of um, their investigation that is undertaken and the, the, the purpose name of an inquest. And as you said, there are specific aspects that come out of um, deaths arising in certain circumstances, um, whether they be child deaths or mental health deaths. And in this case, we're looking at deaths um, of individuals who die whilst they're in prison. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask Liz and to, to expand a bit more on, on the differences between those deaths that take place in prison. Um, what's your experience, Liz? So over the last uh, 12 years, I've been working um, with a, a number of healthcare providers within uh, the prison estate um, who deliver healthcare services um, in terms of physical healthcare, mental health services and drug and alcohol uh, services. And as such, I've got extensive knowledge um, of the uh, prison estate and um, prison uh, inquests. Um, and they are uh, peculiar to themselves in that they are uh, inquests which involve a considerable number of state bodies. Um, but the, the same basic principles would apply um, as in a, uh, a, a normal uh, inquest in that the questions to be answered by the coroner are who, when, where and how somebody died. And I'm sure that's something that you've covered in one of your um, earlier sessions, uh, Liz. Um, but by reason of the fact that uh, an individual in prison um, is in the control or custody of the state, then Article 2 of the Human Rights Act engages. And again, I'm sure that's something um, that's been covered in your, your introductory to, to inquest sessions. But what it means in broad terms is that question of how somebody comes by their death becomes how and in what circumstances somebody has come uh, by their death. And it therefore extends the scope of the inquest to not only consider the medical cause of death and the direct conclusion, whether that be natural causes, suicide, misadventure, um, et cetera, um, but it covers those systems that we had in, have in place because there's a requirement as a state body and, and prisons are emanations of the state to have systems in place that are compliant with Article 2 to protect the life of an individual. Um, and as such, what we end up with is, is, is a process by which we, we explore uh, how somebody came by their death. But then we look at the, the compliance with those systems that are in place. Um, was there a system in place for, for monitoring risk? Was there a system in place uh, for um, ascertaining, um, ascertaining drug searches, for drug searches within the prison? Um, for stopping drugs from coming into the prison. So those drug policies and, and that question of how and in what circumstances explores whether those systems exist um, and whether we have complied with uh, those systems. Um, 
But I, I think it, in, in practical terms, what it means uh, for individuals is that in addition to the exploration of those systems, those policies and those procedures, um, most prison inquests will be heard before a jury. Um, and, and it's not just prison inquests that are heard before a jury. Of course, you know, you, you'll have probably talked about uh, deaths that, uh, of individuals who are detained under the Mental Health Act or individuals who die in, in police custody. But it is a, a, a particular uh, and unusual uh, thing that happens within a, a, a prison inquest in that the facts are all determined by, by lay individuals um, and the law, of course, is directed by the coroner. And that goes back to, to, to the premise that um, prisons, just like mental health hospitals, etc., um, are not generally open to the public. You can't just wander in and have a look. And therefore, that layer of accountability um, that is perhaps not there in the day-to-day -day running of, of for, for example, an acute hospital is put to, to closer examination by, by peers um, of, of the individual who has died. Um, so in broad terms, I think they're the differences. So you touched briefly, and we have talked on previous podcasts about Article 2, um, but it's not the case, is it, that every inquest is an Article 2 inquest, and there have been recent cases that have, that have set out that that's, that's not the situation. No, you're quite right, Liz. Um, one of my uh, cases from the North East um, a couple of years ago um, made the distinction between those individuals who die of natural causes within the control and custody of the state, including in prisons, and those who die of unnatural causes. Um, and so where it's established that somebody dies of a natural cause within uh, the prison estate, then there has to be an inquest, um, but it, it doesn't have to be an Article 2 compliant inquest with that full examination of um, the uh, processes, procedures, collectively the systems, and that, that there's no need to sit with a, a jury. And I think that's one of the points, isn't it? Where there is a, a death that's taken place whilst in prison, whether it's natural causes or, or there are other factors in play, there does have to be a, a, a full inquest with a jury. The, the scope of that is, is um, often determined later, but that's, it, that's the key issue. Yeah, the starting point will always be that if somebody dies in the control or custody of the state, um, there will always be at first sight an Article 2 compliant uh, inquest and there will always be linked to that and something that I'm sure um, we're going to come on to discuss a prison and probation ombudsman investigation and report. Um, but once, like, like, like an ordinary uh, inquest, where if it were ascertained during the investigation stage that somebody died of natural causes, the coroner's quite within their right uh, not to proceed to a full inquest hearing and to, to certify death and, and, and close the inquest. Um, but with, an, with, with a prison inquest, they all commence with a full investigation, but quite quickly, um, a lot of them will, will become very narrow in scope just to consider how the individual died rather than how and what, in what circumstances where it's apparent that death's due to natural causes. So our experience and my experience personally, and I know yours, is that um, we often support healthcare providers in these prison inquests. And, and from a practical point of view, is there anything that healthcare providers do, or, or particular clinicians should expect that is very different or is or um, uh, alternative in, in prison inquests than a usual or more straightforward inquest? It, it, the basics are very much the same um, that you'll have talked about um, in your in your previous uh, podcasts uh, in that um, preparation is the same, um, attending and giving evidence is the same, uh, witness statements uh, are the same. 
it, it's just having to have that additional layer of knowledge um, and an additional layer of resource available to you um, to be able to talk about those wider systems issues. And those systems issues that are sometimes touched upon within a healthcare environment become much wider in the, the prison environment. Um, because of course, we're not just talking about our own systems as healthcare providers. Did we have a, a system in place in terms of the timeframe in which we go and uh, assess somebody if we're asked to do so, um, and the timeframe uh, in which our, our notes have to be on the system um, and all of those those um, matters that we look at ordinarily. But we have to be very mindful of the wider systems that are in place. Um, we have to be mindful of the prison systems that we all work uh, within. Um, so, for example, if any of our, our, our witnesses um, are attending an inquest where arising from a death in prison, which relate um, to issues of the assessment of risk, it's not sufficient just to simply talk about uh, how you assess those uh, static and dynamic risks, those subjective and objective assessments. It's about being mindful to those um, to those structures that we work within the prison. So PSI 64 2011, which anybody listening to this will know, is is the um, prison standing um, standing order that that. Um, governs the assessment of risk and the risks that we look for. Um, so, so it's about that wider knowledge and that multi-agency working and those multi-agency systems and processes, which we which our healthcare providers work under day in, day out, but until they come to an inquest might not know the nitty and gritty uh, detail of. So it comes back to, and as you say, we have touched on it before around, if you're a witness, a healthcare provider, provide a witness called to attend a prison inquiry so it goes back to sort of preparation and knowing your your role and and the information that you're going to be asked to provide in evidence yeah um, very in, much so Liz yeah um are there any common issues that you've come across um in terms of the issues that are explored in in inquests uh, prison inquests yeah, the, the, there are there are a number of um common themes um that we have and over, over the recent years um the dynamics of those themes have changed. So if I think back 12 years ago, um, there was probably um, a significant tension between all of those organisations working within the prisons in relation to whose role is, is what. Um, but now it's very much about um, are we demonstrating and putting into practice um, collaborative working between the multi-agencies in the in, in the prison environment? And are we able to demonstrate knowledge of respective um, policies, procedures, pathways and an understanding of the way that we work? But I think top of the list, and I, and I don't know whether you agree, but top of the list is always the, the assessment of risk and the management of that risk when you're in an environment which has already brings with it a really heightened level of risk in any event um, and being mindful that how uh, how risky somebody presents in a prison um, compared to how risky somebody presents in in the community are not always uh, comparable and I referenced before PSI 64 2011 which helps to guide us through those additional risk factors uh, within the prison environment and for, for our healthcare providers, it's it's almost like a two-pronged approach. It's about our assessment of that risk of the individual, um, but it's also about communication of that risk within the prison 
estate um, and how we have used their systems, um, their documentation um, to ensure that those who have the uh, predominant contact with individuals are aware of those risks and can be monitoring for, for any changes and alert healthcare professionals um, of those risks. So it's a, it's a balancing exercise. And some of the common themes that arise from that are our knowledge of the processes and the procedures and whether healthcare professionals have access to all of the, the, the relevant information. Because of course, patient confidentiality exists within the, the prison environment. And the only time that we will be telling the wider prison estate, the prison discipline staff, for example, uh, of medical detail will be if there is a, a risk. Um, and of course, most prison healthcare um, professionals will, will use system one medical records. Um, but in addition to that, the prison themselves will then use their own systems of OASIS, of NOMIS, um, their wing and observation books. And it's about the interplay between access to those documents. Whilst prison officers, of course, can't have access to, to the healthcare records, um, quite common for healthcare providers are those questions do you have access to the prison records and do you check those prison records and do you identify the, the, the risks, the concerns that are coming through from those documentation? So that's a really common theme. Um, and I suppose other common themes are in relation uh, to, to matters such as restraint and uh, ligature use. Um, but really, they're, they're matters um, where it's a question of how well have we informed the decisions uh, to to use restraint um, or how well have we informed decisions to place um, inmates in a particular environment. And then against all of that is the working knowledge of the ACT process, which is the, the prison process for ensuring that there are systems put in place to um, keep people safe if they are presenting at increased risk and whether we are able to demonstrate that we understand that process and that the process of um, monitoring um, and discussions about the level of uh, observations an individual has been on has been a, a, a truly uh, multidisciplinary approach informed by uh, the healthcare professionals um, supporting the, the, the discipline staff to make decisions about when to open an act or when to, to close an act. I think that's really useful. And I think, um, you know, uh, just to, to conclude really, that, that I think the, the point that's come out is that the prison inquest is, is, is essentially has the key issues of, a, of any inquest, but there are specific layers that need to be looked at in, in particular around risk and and the various uh, common themes that come about. That's really helpful, Liz. Yes, thank you very much. I found that um, really interesting and um, gave me and I hope our listeners a much deeper understanding of the specifics of an inquest that arises from, from, a, from a death in prison. I mean, it certainly came came across from the two of you that, um, you know, as with all inquests, it's just that importance of preparation, isn't it? And really understanding what it is, what the process is and what it is that's expected of you and um, not wanting to plug too much. But I, um, you know, hope that some of those issues were covered in the first um, series of these podcasts and those are available on Hempson's website uh, and could be of interest to some of you. So really, as I said, once again, thank you very much, ladies. And it, it just... Um, just suffice for me to say, as usual, we would love to hear from you with any comments or any suggestions you have for particular areas you would like us to cover. Simply email me at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. Goodbye.